In a world where a man loves movies and loves lists and keeps a list of his 100 favorite movies for over 30 years, what if he made his wife watch those movies in order? And what if he made her talk about it on a podcast? Would she like them? Would she hate them? Can this marriage possibly survive this podcast? Find out what will happen in a world called Craig's List. Forget it, Carla. It's Chinatown. What? <laughs> Forget it, she Carla. It's Chinatown. <laughs> I was waiting for this whole bit. That's the no. bit? <laughs> It's not a bit, Carla. It's uh, it's a deep statement that encapsulates, I think, everything that we've covered on this podcast, on my list, in life. That it's just Chinatown. It's just Chinatown. I still don't understand what that means. Forget it, Carla. <laughs> it's Chinatown. Okay. Now I get it. It now all you makes get it? What, is it, what does it mean to you now? Uh, it means that you're going to make me watch 42 more movies <laughs> in the next year. Right? Uh, I'm going to w- make you watch a lot more than that. I'm just talking about the ones <laughs> on the list or the, the, because this is number 38 oh, on right. my list. That's so what I meant. Technically, you have 37 movies, uh, left to go. Hi, <sighs> Craig's listeners. <laughs> this is episode 63 on Craig's list. And number two today. Number two today. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're going back to back. Back to back. Uh, we're up to number 38 on my list. <laughs> and, uh, Forget it, Carla. It's Portland. Chinatown. It's Portland. <laughs> it is Portland. We are currently in Portland, Oregon. Uh, I'm, I've only got a few days left in town. Aww. We're trying to burn <laughs> uh, uh, through as many of these as possible. We really have not recorded as many as we hoped we would. You've been busy. I've been busy. I've been doing eight shows a week playing Scrooge. Yep. Uh, entertaining. That's just uh, in our living room. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, it's Chinatown. <laughs> Forget it, it's Chinatown. Um, but today we're going to talk about the 1974 film directed uh, by a certain Polish director who will remain nameless. Maybe, <laughs> maybe we'll probably may have to say his name at some point. Uh, and the movie, it's your list, buddy. The movie stars Jack Nicholson, <laughs> Faye Dunaway, uh, John Huston as Noah Cross, mm-hmm. uh, and it's called Chinatown. But to help us do that, <laughs> we have all. We have a real honest to God film critic and a real honest to God mystery writer. <laughs> like, these people could not be more qualified to talk about this particular piece of cinema. If we do this, you let us out of the basement. Right? <laughs> That's right. It's your basement, so I, I hope you have the key. Uh, <laughs> please welcome Mark Mohan and Chelsea Kane. Hello. Hi, Mark. I'm happy to be here. (laughs) And say hi to each other, too. Hi, Chelsea. (laughs) I didn't know you were going to be here. (laughs) But I'm happy to see you. Always right here, honey. In an awkward bit of scheduling, we double booked this episode. (laughs) Luckily, you guys are married to one another, so it's not as awkward. I was was around all day anyway, so. Okay. Good. Uh, So we're here in Portland on the southeast side, uh, but the coolest sector of the four. Quadrant. <laughs> Quadrant. Even there, though there's there are, five. There are five. That's right. But, yeah. yeah. Uh, because there's a bar in North Portland called the Fifth Quadrant, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> You're clever. just like a local. <laughs> oh. 
I'm getting to be local. I know the uh, I know the West a little more just because that's where I'm stuck, you know. But all the cool stuff is out east, including uh, including you guys. So um, we're here in the uh, uh, southeast quadrant. Don't, don't give out their address. <laughs> I, I was going to do the exact address, but uh, yeah, we talked about not giving out the address, and now you're just going to give out. any more than that. Uh, we did a wonderful episode a couple of weeks ago. Uh, actually, just a few minutes ago <laughs> in, in real time, but uh, on podcast time a couple of weeks ago uh, with your daughter. And so uh, you guys are feeling the pressure of living up to... It was uh, the highest rated podcast we've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> it, it seemed very successful. So. She's been getting a lot of fan mail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, because because you like... gave away our address, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. We let off with that last time. That we're was doing like six more of these, too, right after this? Yes. <laughs> oh, it's <Okay>. like Jeopardy. <laughs> <sighs> uh so let's uh let's talk about Chinatown uh oh, yeah. a little bit. Uh okay. I have seen this movie ooh, seven or eight times possibly <laughs> in my life, going back to my <laughs> high school years. So I think I definitely saw it when I was sixteen or seventeen for the first time. I always liked it, uh, but did not go on the list until more recently, until sometime in the two thousands, sometime in the last <laughs> seventeen years. You're hard to like pinned down <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah i well i've probably redone the list twice in the 2000s so i redo it about every seven or eight years and that, that's part of what this podcast is is reassessing uh the these movies and i, I think it only went on more more recently but it, it's something i like and appreciate more uh every time i see it because the plot is very dense and hard to follow yeah it is and i think it <laughs> And it also tied into in, inspired by real life events that were happening in Los Angeles, which it, it it really only explains the minimum that the detective Jake Geddes, played by Jack Nicholson, needs to know. So we kind of find out things as Geddes knows them, and he gets a lot of things wrong <laughs> over the course mm-hmm. of the movie, and he's also lied to a lot by every character. Uh, and so I think that that adds kind of to the the confusion of it. Uh, the screenplay by Robert Town, widely considered to be one of the, the greatest screenplays and is frequently taught in um, screenwriting uh, classes. But uh, what, what is your guys' history with this film, uh, which you just rewatched, I hope, recently for, for this Yes, podcast. just last night. Yes. Um, <laughs> on Christmas. On Christmas, on, on Christmas. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Which I'm not sure I recommend, to be honest. Um, I've seen it four or five times probably, but it's been a few years. I was trying to recall if we had seen it together before, and I I assume we I probably so, have yeah. at some point. I was trying to remember also if I'd seen it on a big screen because it is the one that's that great widescreen cinematography, wonderful uh, you know, visuals. And I think I think we may have, but I don't keep as good a records as you do, Craig. So I, I you know, <laughs> I'm just not sure. Yeah, like the same. I, I've seen it probably four or five times. And um like you know like it's it's so interesting to watch again and again and i appreciate more every time or you know i appreciate different things i notice different things um uh when i watch it um uh you know whether it is um just this this is the way that it's so quiet much of the time you mm-hmm. know the score only you know comes in very very specifically like most of it and by quiet i just mean in terms of like the music. There's yes. a lot of ambient sound, Jerry environmental Goldsmith, noise, the, uh, composer, I believe, um, yes. environmental music, and um, the, the, all the pearls that Faye Dunaway has on. Like these little choices that are so cool. Uh, and I, as a writer, really appreciate the close point of view 
storytelling. So we never know more than, than he knows, than mm. the main character knows. Um, and we just have to kind of, you know, trust that he's in every scene. He's literally in every scene. And we only, we only, you know, we were trying to catch up. It's almost like there was that old film noir with Robert Montgomery, I think, that was actually filmed first person. And it's, and it's, it's about as close as you can get to that in a movie where we're just seeing what he sees, uh, in essence. Yes. Mm. Yeah, we did Taxi Driver a few episodes ago, and uh, I remember reading of like, oh, the whole thing's from Travis Pickle's perspective of like, actually, it isn't. There's a few yeah. scenes that he's not involved right. with right. Uh, at all, which are actually kind of curious. Uh, yeah, in the travel agency, there's there's mm-hmm. a few. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and But yeah, Giddies is in every scene in this, and uh, but you couldn't have a better guide through the movie than, than Nicholson, who's really kind of at the height of his powers. His Do you want to know how powers. many times I've seen it? Oh, Carla. <laughs> oh, I didn't see you sitting over there. <laughs> I'm so so focused on our guests. How many times have you seen Chinatown? This is the Carla? second time I've okay. seen it. <laughs> when was the first time, Carla? I think I was maybe 20, 21, 22, and I was like, I need to watch all the movies I'm supposed to have watched. <laughs> and this was on that list. And what did you think of it then? I thought that it was interesting and that I didn't understand all of it. <laughs> That's, what, That's I what I still think of it. That's yeah. what I thought of it after rewatching it too. Still interesting, but I still don't. There's a lot of the, I need to go read about the water situation. Like I want to understand that because I think it's supposed to be bad what he's doing, but it's not made clear. <laughs> well, you shouldn't have to, right? If it's a good movie, you shouldn't have to read the Wikipedia page. On, yeah, I agree. You know, right. the yeah. Eastern yeah. Dance in Southern California. Because when he explained it, when John Houston explained it, it kind of sounded like he was doing the right thing. <laughs> right? Well, he, he's fairly seductive. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I, don't know. I, th- I think that, that's the Spoiler whole Spoiler alert, though. Like, he's the bad guy. Yes. Right. <laughs> For sure. He's the bad guy. Yeah, J- John Houston is Noah Cross. Uh, who's Noah, I, which I only got this time oh, watching it. There you go. Yeah. That's really good. I've heard that story. <laughs> That's really good. Uh, yeah, I believe the, uh, the Hollis Mulray character, Hollis Mulray is the murder victim, uh, in this movie and, uh, the head of the, the water and power department in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I believe both Cross and Mulray were inspired by William Mulholland, uh, who is the, the man who brought water to the desert of Los Angeles and irrigated uh, the valley, uh, turning it into a, a real estate paradise. <laughs> um, and I guess had both uh, – positive qualities and vino qualities and so uh we, we actually did that story on drunk history and i wish i had remembered the specificity of it more uh it was uh it, jack black and kyle gas uh played uh mulholland and his business partner in it and uh it's it's completely slipped my mind what the specifics, <laughs> what the specifics of the story are but well. We drive by the uh, the Mulholland Fountain all the time uh, down Los Feliz Boulevard, right oh, yeah. by the five, uh-huh. to get to our neighborhood. I didn't know that that was called the Mulholland Fountain. It's called the Mulholland Fountain. It's a tribute to him. That's where he's buried. Really? No. <laughs> Chelsea, I believe you. I thought we were ad living. <laughs> tell me when. We'll tell you when that's they approach. Trick me as much as possible. That's he's buried that's under, under the fountain. My sister belongs to the Mulholland Tennis Club. Really. There's no. Mulholland Drive, of course. <laughs> yes, my sister does belong to Mulholland. That's a weird you don't have a sister. <laughs> <laughs> I've never met a sister. 
So the guy's name is is all over Los Angeles. So this, along with Who Framed Roger Rabbit, is kind of the story of uh, <laughs> the dark underbelly of, <laughs> of how Los Angeles yes. came to be. Well, it's similar to this movie and the the beginning of uh, Roger Rabbit. There's like you can just take a streetcar, <laughs> like you can take a streetcar all the way to the ocean, you know. And now it's only recently that that L.A. got uh, public transportation that you can take all the way from downtown uh, to Santa Monica that was not there before. But at the time, there were streetcar lines uh, everywhere until the automobile took over. So, yeah, I, I think. Uh, Clearly, as uh, none of us did, if you also <laughs> also uh, tie it into the the history of Los Angeles, maybe you can uh, appreciate that more. But I, I like the uh, uh, this was made in seventy four, but set in. There's a reference to Secretariat, and so I, I think That's it's thirty six. Thirty six could be off by a year or two, maybe. Okay, thirty seven. Or Sea Biscuit. Or Sea yes. Biscuit. I'm sorry. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, it's secretary. It's so uh, seventy-two. I think it's set two years right. earlier. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, the seventies yeah. was a period of rapid change <laughs> in Los Angeles, so I think that makes sense. Uh, but yes, we follow this uh, this detective, uh, private eye for hire, Jake Giddies. Uh, he's, he's kind of a sleazy guy specializing in uh, in affairs. Uh, the opening scene is uh, Burt Young from the uh, the Rocky movies. Uh, who's finding out his wife is uh, cheating on him. He's seeing a series of photos, uh, starts crying, and then uh, opens with the famous line from Nicholson, you can't eat the Venetian blinds, Curly. I just had oh, them installed so on Wednesday. That's a really good Christian Slater. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I know you've been watching Heather's recently, according to Eliza, so yeah. Um yeah, Christian Slater was pretty much doing a straight up Nicholson in that movie. And that's, uh, that's oh, my era yeah. too. I'm, I'm from the, uh, I, you guys are as well from the era where everybody had a Nicholson that was not that good. <laughs> Every stand up comic did a, uh, did a Nicholson. And that's, uh, even, Nich- even Nicholson by that point was sort of doing yeah. a Nicholson. Yeah. Though I, I kind of like looked through his filmography after watching this because I, I think he's, Fantastic actor and had such a range of stuff he did in the seventies in, in particular because you have five five EV, five EVVDDs five easy pieces which is so hard to say uh, you've got the last detail uh, Chinatown Cuckoo's Nest uh, the Passenger he had such a run of things where he's really completely different and I think maybe it's the combination of Cuckoo's Nest and Shining that kind of uh, that. People have that association of like the crazy Jack. And then when you add Witches of Eastwick and Batman to that, but I think all along he's done really interesting character stuff and stuff where he's shown off more diversity, even throughout the, the nineties and two thousands in his career. But I think we, we all associate that crazy over the top Jack, which he's really not doing in this movie at all. Yeah, no, he's he's very restrained, and he's and yet it still gives off. He's um, such a movie star, yeah. even mm-hmm. when he's doing that. Um, and I think especially in this movie, just in that in the classic noir detective mold, um, was he nominated for an Oscar for this? He was. This yeah. movie was nominated for eleven Oscars. It only won one for Towns screenplay. Mm-hmm. He and Faye Dunaway were both nominated, as was uh, the director uh, Polanski uh, for, for the uh, for direction. Uh, I believe cinematography, mm-hmm. Produ- production design, know, production think, design. Yeah, I think all all across yeah. the board, it was uh, it was nominated. Do you two 
I think that this is one of the best screenplays ever written. Well, I would say in, uh, in the in the in the classic sense of being, you know, it's got structure, it's got this really tightly wound plot, um, it's got really memorable dialogue. I mean, I would, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't argue with mm-hmm. including it on on a list of, like you say, things to study if you want to be a screenwriter. Yeah, I've always been puzzled by that. You know, it mm-hmm. is consistently held up as being like the one that, yeah, that, yeah. like the single greatest screenplay. And, yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's really, it's really good. It seems like it was kind of fluid, the process of, of, you know, like what they were actually filming and the way they changed the end. Um, and it seems like to me, like the movie is such a product of a whole lot of people doing a lot of really great work. Yes. Um, and so like, I, I have never read the screenplay and I wonder if it's just a, just a hell of a page turner, you know, like some screen screenplays just really live mm-hmm. on the page, which is why maybe one of the reasons it has that reputation beyond, you know, the mastery of the film itself. Yeah. Um, I don't like uh, the one, the, the one, my, my one criticism of this movie, um, is, yes, I can't uh, wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. <laughs> just one? No. Well, you know, it's, it's just like the, you know, like the, the way that you opened and, um, I, I feel, I feel like in, in many ways, it's just, it's another movie about a, a guy who's like, I don't understand, like, <laughs> <laughs> yes. which yeah. I feel like, you know, like, Things are complicated in the world, you know, like things are turning out the way I'd planned. Right. You know, women are strange. <laughs> um, so that, that would be the only. You're and not I think, wrong I think about it really that, yeah. tells that story wonderfully. And it, it, of course, it's more complicated than that, but it is, um, it is a lot of like, you know, white guys who are just like in over their heads. Yeah. yeah. Chelsea's my best friend, everybody. <laughs> just in case you didn't know before. <laughs> It does have that thing. It is, it's very hard to actually explain what happens in the plot, but that's also a common thing in a lot of classic noir, like the big sleep. You can, there are, there are, you can go through that movie and there are literally murders that you never figure out who did them. And right. I feel like Didn't that's they call Chandler and ask it. him and he did, he was like, He's I don't like, know. Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that almost speaks to how good it is that it doesn't matter if it if it doesn't completely add up or or is sort of comprehensible because it just works and you and it, you keep moving through it but yeah it's 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 the classic white guy philosophy conundrum the world is a cruel and unforgiving place oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah as opposed to like a christopher nolan or a m night Shyamalan, it's not like it's a puzzle box that comes together you know with a beautiful reveal or, or anything you know uh, because uh, again, like Giddies is confused for most of the movie. He makes some wrong assumptions. Uh, Faye Dunaway is lying to him for, for most of the movie. I think she gives a wonderful performance as mm-hmm. well. Uh, mm-hmm. because you, you see the strain behind every question that he asks and just all the different thoughts of going across your head of like, how much do I tell him here of like, no, I'm sticking to this. Okay. And it's like slowly her story starts to unravel, uh, over the, it's certainly the a movie, movie that when you watch it the second time, mm-hmm. you know, watching her performance, especially is really revelatory. Mm-hmm. Yes. 
in a similar way to another Polanski movie, Rosemary's Baby, where I think uh, once you know that uh, Cassavetes is the guy who who put her up to this and was responsible for everything, you see that he's giving a fantastic performance throughout the movie mm-hmm. because he's in on it from the beginning and you get to enjoy that the, uh, the second time around. Uh, but unfortunately, I only have one Roman Polanski movie on the list, oh, Carla, darn it. as opposed to as opposed to seven Woody Allen movies. Oh darn it! Uh, we still have four to go. <laughs> I don't get it. I don't get it. Why, why do you mention them together? It's <laughs> because uh, they worked a lot in the seventies and they were buddies. Um, <laughs> We actually, there's a way around the Woody Allen thing that that, that we're going to do, but we'll get we'll get into that uh, later. Um, well, let's uh, shall we go through the movie chronologically a bit with a uh, a segment that we like to call Carla's quotes. Please. <laughs> She's feeling her oats and Craig's taking notes. Whatever they are, it's Carla's quotes. This is the run of five straight noir or noir-ish movies that we've been doing. It's been a long week. <laughs> and as the opening titles is coming in, the... Uh... Racer's looking at me like, girl, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Racer is their corgi who's so cute. <laughs> Aww. He just licked me. <laughs> But the titles are kind of throwback titles, and you hear the the wonderful uh, Goldsmith score over the titles. But Carla said, "Another noir. You're killing me with the noirs, <laughs> as if real life isn't depressing enough." <laughs> said from our uh, studio apartment <laughs> in the Pearl District, uh, surrounded by three animals. As Carla sees the list of actors, she says, "Diane Ladd from Christmas Vacation." <laughs> Of course, that's what she's best known for. <laughs> we literally did just watch Christmas Vacation for for our Carla's List okay. uh, Christmas special. It's a really good movie, you guys. Uh, Racer na- just turned around and faced the other <laughs> <Awesome>. way. <laughs> Please give us Corgi updates all throughout the podcast. I just think Carla. it's funny that he's reacting to what oh, I'm moved saying. moved his leg. <laughs> uh, Actually, you know, talking about screenplays, uh, I, I meant to mention this because we just watched Molly's Game mm-hmm. yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was our Christmas movie. Uh, Merry which was, Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> which was uh, solid. Like, I, I, there were things about it I liked. But as a screenwriter, Aaron Sorkin is a great playwright, <laughs> I think, you know. Uh, and, you know, it's a two hour and 20 minute movie that probably. Could have been an hour 45, you know, <laughs> mm-hmm. if the characters weren't pontificating at every available opportunity. And I think one thing that he does, and I, I like many things about Sorkin. I think you kind of have to take the, the good with the bad if, if you're in, uh, on that. But, uh, I think that every character has the same information and they all have the same information as the writer as well. And they're constantly reminding you of what the writer knows. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, it feels a little bit like the, the writer playing God a little bit. So I like uh, the minimalism of this as compared to having just seen Molly's Game a mm-hmm. couple hours before we watched this. Um, yeah, he doesn't. I, I think that's a really good point that you guys made earlier about him not uh him not having any more information than we see. <laughs> Racer, do you agree with me? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> uh 
Yeah. I, I think it's interesting to see him discover information as the audience is discovering the information, um, as opposed to, yeah, being told all of the exposition in a long monologue. <laughs> and there's that line early on where, uh, about how, you know, you think you know what's going on, but, mm-hmm. you know, you, you don't. Right. Um, which is, you know, it's, it seems like from a, like a kind of traditional, um, uh, you know, Byronic hero, like noir PI guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a little different in the sense that he is a guy who, um, as you said, he's, he's a little sleazy. Like he's a guy who, you know, who kind of thinks the world is corrupt, you know, like he thinks he, he knows how bad it is. <clears throat> Right. Mm-hmm. He was a cop in Chinatown, right. so he's he's seen some shit. You know? Right. Yeah. He, he doesn't have that like uh, the kind of uh, hidden romanticism that a lot of those characters do. Mm-hmm. You know that you're kind of classic yeah. like Chandler. He's more moronic than Byronic. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, well, you know where there's on you know their surf their surface level is uh, you know is all kind of hard boiled, but they've got that kind of like heart of gold that need to protect. Yeah. Um, you know, like he, he is different that way in the sense that, uh, well, it feels like his, th- that part of him is what was theoretically tarnished or destroyed mm-hmm. earlier in Chinatown and then is rekindled once he meets Faye Dunaway. Yeah. Like I and, would, I would argue that it's, it's not like that he, you know, that what he, what motivates him, um, it is not the kind of, I guess, usual, uh, romanticism. It's not, uh, I need to protect her. It's mm-hmm. something else. Yeah. Yeah, rewatching it, I was struck by that the uh, the scene in the barber shop is pretty important to get a sense of Getty's motivations mm-hmm. because uh, the he uncovers the Mulray, uh, what they think is Mulray having an affair with this woman. They they publicize it in the papers, and uh, so he uh, he sees the paper. And there's another guy at the barber shop who's like. Yeah, nice job with the headline. There's like, yeah, what do you do for a living, sir? And he's like, uh, you know, I work at the bank. He's like, oh, you foreclose on families, take their homes away from them. He's like, I do an honest living, you know. Mm-hmm. So, and and then he proceeds to to keep poking around with this case that he's not really involved in anymore, and nobody's really hired him to do anything because the Mulray, the Mrs. Mulray, that he thought that hired him was not. Uh, Faye Dunaway, who was uh, Diane Ladd, who was an actress, uh, from Christmas Vacation, uh, <laughs> <laughs> is merely a woman, uh, pretending to be Mrs. Mulray. So he doesn't, he could have stopped there, but it's his pride mm-hmm, in this right. guy confronting him about his job, you know, and he knows he does this sleazy thing for a living, but he, he's trying to stick up for himself. And he's also trying to protect his reputation. Right. Yes. That's what I think it is. I think he's embarrassed. And, uh, yeah, and so he has this motivation to kind of clear clear it up so that he can be seen as, you know, knowing what he's doing. And it gets muddier and muddier. Yeah, and it's not it's, it's not until that very last little moment where he makes that decision to like get them, you know, passage to Mexico to like like the, you know, just this very little moment where he's kind of taking action to protect. Mm-hmm. Um and even then it's like the motivations are kind of muddy because it's it could, you know, it could just be that he uh, wants to like take, not do what, you know, he thinks the, the expectations are of him mm-hmm. or, um, you know, more of the kind of like systems check as opposed to. You guys are really going deep on Jake <laughs> here. I just think, I just think, I mean, I, maybe I'm just, maybe I'm just a simple man with a simple thought, but like, I think he gets confronted with Noah Cross and he just, you know, like he thinks he knows how bad the world is and then he finds these things out that, that expose this true, just corrupt, immoral, 
heart of the city and of reality and he recoils and and Mm. decides he's got to try and do something even if it's futile against it what if it's all these things you guys (laughs) (laughs) i really want to know what happened in chinatown though i mean come on that is a big gaping hole you know what i was thinking i think it might be a metaphor What? <laughs> I know. You're the first person to propose this, Mark. This is what happens when you get a real film critic in here. <laughs> Mark has a philosophy degree, you guys. Yeah. Uh-oh. But are you, aren't you glad, though, that there was never some, you know, like a, pre- a prequel that showed what happened in Chinatown? <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, wouldn't yeah. that be just the terrible way to sort of cash in on this movie's success? I mean, they did make The Two Jakes, which I think... Was that set before or after? I think it was set after. Yeah. I never yeah. saw it. it. It was a sequel to Chinatown. But, Came out uh, in 1990 or so. Did you see it? Back then, yeah. yeah. it was. It's mediocre. I think Robert Town wrote the screenplay for it. Jack Nicholson directed it, in fact. Oh. Never you know, really a good sign when yes. a star like that has to direct their own thing. Uh, but it was not memorable. Um, certainly not you know, worthy of being a, a, a sequel to Chinatown. Yeah. I think it's just another case that Giddies is doing a few years yeah. later, maybe. Yeah. But you know, somewhere like, like that scene in the player when Buck Henry pitches like the sequel to the graduate, you know, that someone has written, mm. you know, what really happened in Chinatown. Oh, yeah. And, and uh, I'm glad we've, I'm glad they that. haven't made that. Too. <laughs> let's Hollywood. Make it, I, let's make it. You guys, let's do it. <laughs> Hollywood, I know you're not listening to this podcast. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not worried that somebody's going to hear this and, and say, "Ooh, Chinatown." Pre- I mean, I'd buy a ticket for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe if it were in 3D. Yeah, that's right. Uh, definitely, when I saw this as a teenager, I was in, under the impression that it was a series of adventures that took place. I might have been thinking of Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> <laughs> Classic movie. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, they uh, they get to Chinatown. I looked at uh, the two-hour three mark of the two-hour ten uh, of this movie. So it's only in the last seven minutes that they're actually in the physical place. And was that filmed – like was that backlot or was that like on location? Anybody know? I don't know. It looks – it kind of still looks like that. It, it does look like the, the Chinatown in L.A. Yeah, but who knows? Uh, someone does. Someone, Who knows? There's no, there's there's no way to find out. Racer, do you know? Well, we could ask Roman Polanski if he was here, but he's not reachable. <laughs> I decided not to invite him. <laughs> Chinatown in L.A., by the way, got, uh, for a while, Pock Pock, the great Thai place from Portland, <laughs> opened one in L.A. And, the, and closed within a year. So, Bummer. L.A., you don't know what good chicken wings are <laughs> if you can't sustain a Pock Pock. Do uh, you guys like Pock Pock? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. I oh, certainly yeah. wouldn't. I certainly wouldn't say no on the record. If I <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep your Portland street cred. That's right. So uh, he goes in this office and sees uh, Diane Ladd as the Not fake Mrs. It. Mulray who's wearing an elaborate hat. And Carla said, "Whoa, that's Mrs. Peacock." <laughs> Worth it? <laughs> no, not worth it. Not at all. I did really like that character's real name, Ida Sessions. Yes. Ida Sessions is a great old <laughs> 30s sort of name. With her SAG card in her wallet. <laughs> uh, they ask her her husband's name. She says, Hollis. Hollis Mulray. And Carla said, that's not a real name. <laughs> and it's not. It's not a real name. It could be a real name, but it was It was, it was Mulholland was the real name. <laughs> 
He goes to a, uh, a public hearing, uh, where he sees Mulray and uh, a bunch of men arguing over the construction of a dam. Mulray doesn't want the dam to go in because there was a, a dam accident that he was, a dam accident that he was goddamn responsible for involving a dam. Uh, and there actually was a, a, a dam burst in Los Angeles in the twenties that killed, I think, 500 people. Uh, and one of the, Biggest natural disasters in the state of California after the San Francisco fire, and uh, Mulholland was responsible for that uh, that dam. So that was kind of uh, likening to the reality. Uh, but there's a farmer comes in with a bunch of his sheep, but you hear the sheep bleeding <laughs> off camera first. And Carla said, "Chewy, Chewbacca." <laughs> It did sound like Chewbacca. <laughs> Your mind was just wandering, like during the the public waterworks presentation. Well, probably, <laughs> I think by now you just nailed it. That's what it is. Disney probably owns this movie as well as the Star Wars <laughs> franchise now, so there could be a crossover. That's right. Oh, I forgot that Lucas was allowed to put uh, Wookiee roars into every movie <laughs> from the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> He went back, and so we. I think we're seeing the the improved director's cut. You're which, welcome. <laughs> with a lot more Wookies. Uh, when we see Giddy's uh, trailing Mulray, uh, he opens his glove box, and there's a whole bunch of stopwatches in there. And Carla said, "Why's he got all those stopwatches?" <laughs> well, you find out in a second. You don't have to say everything that I say. <laughs> if I there's it was no a, payoff to I it. thought it was adorable. It sounds possible that you don't have to say everything <laughs> you say. I'm, I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe all I'm right, overstepping. Good point. <laughs> uh, but it's great. He uses all those classic PI tricks, right? The, yeah. the stopwatch under the tire, and the, uh, what were the other ones? We did. Uh, uh, what else? Oh, breaking the mirror, the rivy mirror. Oh, breaking the um, breaking the taillight on the car so you can yeah. follow it. Like there were all there were several things like that that I just thought his his PI craft was was really good. Yeah, right. Stuff that he would do that it was clear that you know like stealing the business card and then reusing it. Mm-hmm. Yes, um, yeah. That, you know, it was clear it wasn't the first time he'd done any of that stuff. Right. Yes, which yeah. I liked. That is cool. Yeah. Yeah, he's an expert in all of those sleazy PI tricks. Yeah. Uh, when they go, why they the gotta old- be sleazy? <laughs> Well, underhanded, let's okay. say. Yeah. Uh, when he goes to the old folks' home and I'm like, yeah, we're looking for a place for dad. You know? <laughs> uh, though he quickly gets found out there. Yeah. Like, will you come with us, Mr. Gates? Yeah, why did he give his real name? I don't think he gave his he real name. Oh, no. that's, how, that's how he knew the jig knew? was up because the guy said, "Come with, come with oh, us, Mister Guinness." You guys, and, yeah. Oh shoot! You guys and really Hill listen there to movies <laughs> that you watch. <laughs> Uh, Carla, I think, did not understand the dirty joke either. What was the dirty joke? <laughs> You're scrolling like but a goddamn Chinaman. China man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we'll get into the specifics. Of that. <laughs> Why'd you bring it up then? <laughs> well, Jake gets told this dirty joke at the barber shop. Yeah, yeah. We'll uh, talk they, about it later. They cut off. <laughs> <laughs> they cut, cut off in the middle of the barber telling him that. And then he, he tells this long, extensive joke while not realizing that Faye Dunaway, the real Mrs. Walray, is behind him. I the saw all of time. that. Yes. I just didn't know why he thought it was so funny. Well, that's I, why he's sleazy. It's a little yeah. beneath him, frankly. Like it's okay. a, it does seem like it's a little too crude and even dumb for that joke. Yeah. Even he for, laughed even so hard, yeah. and yeah. I was like, I don't understand yeah. why this is the funniest thing it's he's ever said. Yeah. 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 No. Can we talk about the joke though? Yeah, because like I'll I, like I'll tell you why what I thought it meant, but I now that I now that I'm overthinking it, I think maybe I'm wrong. I assumed it was because it was like, how do you know what a Chinaman screws like? Yes, I, right. I, I think yeah. that's, that's the joke is. is that 
Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. Right. Your wife has some experience before this. Oh. Right. Yes. She has inadvertently confessed to infidelity. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Oh. Yeah. And, but it also brings in, right, then the China thing and the, the uncertainty. Race, the racism then, of like, that, that he considers them less than people, maybe. Whoa. <laughs> well, right, that, that reflects upon his troubled past and it's, it's a great uh like i think character moment just mm-hmm. in like and it's a great performance right yeah. like he goes through so kind of much like intention and emotion and yeah. you know that in that great movie star quality where he's scary in it yeah so right he's, yeah he like, is Ugh. he is i don't think that's but he almost sells it he <laughs> almost makes it funny <laughs> <laughs> maybe i'll watch it again never <laughs> Carla said, here's something I've noticed about all the last several movies we've seen. They all have water coolers in them. Is that a trope of film noir? <laughs> Every single one. Wow. Nailed it. <laughs> Isn't that strange? I think there were just a lot of water coolers back then. There's a lot of water in this movie, But we watched period. Body Heat. They were water in cooler. every single room in Body Heat. Every single one. <laughs> Lots of sweaty. I people. really. I want to think about that more. Water coolers. I think there is something there. Thank you. Yeah. All right. Did everybody hear that? <laughs> the professional film critic agrees with my assessment. Uh, Faye Dunaway's housekeeper, uh, or uh, butler, I suppose is correct. I think, uh, houseboy. <laughs> houseboy, the... uh, played by the great character actor James Hong. Um, and I said out loud, uh, he's from Big Trouble in Little China. And Carla said, I know! <laughs> I almost said it out loud and then I stopped myself. <laughs> so the one time. I love that movie. I know you do. The one time <laughs> she showed so restraint, um, I had to be the know-it-all. It was like, uh, he's from this. Yes. Well, that's good. You guys, you fit so well together. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you stumble, you pick up the burden. <laughs> it's very nice. Between the two of us, one of us will always identify James Hong. Yes. Um, uh, also from the famous Seinfeld Chinese restaurant scene. Five, ten minutes. That's funny. Yeah, I forgot about that. Okay, you win that one. <laughs> I like uh, another indication of Giddy's uh, coarseness is he's always correcting his language around Faye. He's always apologizing for his language around Faye Dunaway, which is sometimes not that profane necessarily. Yeah. But it's like, this phony broad, excuse my language. <laughs> <laughs> I think of that same conversation, he uses the word metier. He says something yeah. like that. And I thought that <laughs> struck me as odd. Yeah. At what point Faye Dunaway says, uh, I was just riding bareback. And, uh, and Carla said, just as I do. <laughs> <laughs> that line, there, there is something, you know, yeah. awkward about that line. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Too much information. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Ugh. Yeah. There is some so, sort of entendre to it. Don't they look great? Yeah. Like they, in that riding outfit. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. This white suit. In those jodpers. Jodpers, yeah. Carla enjoyed the eyebrows oh. as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. They're crazy looking. <laughs> really fun. But I guess that's a, do you, okay. So did she shave her eyebrows? Do you know? <laughs> yeah. Only her eyebrow dresser knows for <laughs> Yeah. You could see in a couple shots, you could see like her, in her actual brow line. Oh, you could. Yeah. Okay. I believe uh, they were inspired by Roman Polanski's mother's eyebrows. Okay. You're just saying <laughs> that. Like, what? It's <laughs> too much bullshit. Okay. <laughs> uh, because they're so thin. I was like, that has to just be pencil, right? No? No, no, it's penciled on. <laughs> okay. Yeah, definitely. Um, 
Carla said, it's weird that the water and power department is such a subject of public in- public interest. Oh, because he's it's like a big deal that he had an affair. I just thought that was so funny. Hey, Craig's listeners. Craig here. Just wanted to drop in real quick and say that uh, the batteries on our Zoom recorder ran out in the middle of this conversation with Chelsea and Mark, and we didn't realize it until we had lost about 10 or 15 minutes of great conversation on Chinatown, including Carla making some triumphant points uh, that – she will never forgive me for not recording. So what you'll hear uh, for the back half of this podcast is the rest of our conversation with Chelsea and Mark, which also includes us partially trying to reconstruct some of the things that we missed. So please be patient with us as we uh, try to remember what we had talked about and what we had not. Uh, I think we uh, were able to piece everything back together again and uh, and talk about everything that we wanted to talk about but uh let's just assume that those 10 or 15 minutes is the magnificent ambersons of podcasting uh just some great brilliance that uh, will never ever be recovered but lives in your imagination as the the podcast that could have been and now the rest of chinatown (laughs) (laughs) and we're back oh it's chinatown it's chinatown It is unknowable and unreachable. Um, so, uh, yeah, this guy who is basically a, uh, a public servant is, uh, is a big celebrity in the Los Angeles papers, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Everybody knows who he is. He's bigger than Seabiscuit. That's how big this guy is. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a, there's a great scene with, uh, Giddy's talking to uh, the new head of the department, uh, Mr. Yale Burton, who's played by the great character actor John Hillerman, who is Higgins from Magnum P.I. Yes. Of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and probably Robin Masters, too. Yes. Probably Robin Masters. No, like, yeah. Might have been Orson Welles, but. Uh, Zeus Apollo. My, yes. What does he say? <laughs> That's it. I think you got it right there. <laughs> uh, and but he's uh and I think you said Mark he recently uh he passed away earlier this year. Yeah, I think uh, just a couple months ago. Yeah. Uh but he was in a lot of stuff in the seventies in addition to uh his beloved part of Magnum PI. But he's the perfect character actor to play like an officious bureaucratic prick and that he's got a nice showdown with uh with Jack Nicholson there. Can we uh, I, like I just have to circle back? If I may hijack yes. the podcast, because <laughs> um, before Craig, uh, you screwed up the recording system <laughs> and uh, we lost a couple of minutes there. Carla had just made this really salient point. It was really, it was really strange timing, actually. Um, but you, like, I want to, I want to circle back to that because sure. I thought it was so smart. <laughs> Thank you. Really the smartest thing I've ever Carla heard on this circle. podcast. I love Carla would like to circle back to that too. <laughs> the best thing that has ever happened on this podcast happened after the recording <laughs> turned off, <laughs> which is, is I said that this scene was strange to me because I didn't understand how Jack Nicholson found this guy. No, no, no. The other, the other. Oh, the other one. Oh, <laughs> what did I say? Oh, the the newspaper thing. Oh, which is this guy <laughs> who is caught having an affair is is like a celebrity, but he's just head of the water and power department. Yes, and so we're supposed to believe that. It's everybody flash, cares. Flashy <laughs> thing all over the front pages. Yeah, and the, this is like the this is 
the event on which the entire plot rests. <laughs> yes, like we exactly. Have to, we have to buy the fact that this guy being exposed right. as a philanderer is going to, you know, have this incredible impact and set in motion, you know, this whole series of, of events. Right. And, and you're right. It's ridiculous. Yes. Yes. And it, it's silly. You could because argue that not it a was celebrity, a much guys. smaller city then, but it was Los Angeles. And so there <laughs> right. were plenty of more juicier headlines that probably right, would have right. been right. Yeah. generated. The valley had not yet been uh, annexed into Los Angeles. So, you know, it was they had a smaller area to cover. <laughs> Basically a small town, right? <laughs> Thank Plus. you, best friend Chelsea, for reminding me how smart I was in that moment. <laughs> that was awesome. <laughs> Los Angeles. Uh so in the scene with uh with John Hillerman, there's there's that line where he's like, uh, does that hurt? And he's like, only when I breathe. And Carla said, ooh, snappy comeback, Mr. Nicholson. What scene is this? I'm totally lost. This is the scene with Mr. Yelburn at the desk. Oh, right. Is, okay. John, after he sits out in the lobby and annoys the secretary until, until he yes. has right. to go in there. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Uh, and that's basically a running gag throughout the movie is Nicholson and there's just so many men. People. There's so many male names in this movie <laughs> in all of your movies that I can't help but you be can't confused. tell a Mr. Yale Burton and a Mr. Mole Ray. Come on, <laughs> different is night and day. Um, but but Carla didn't know how he had pinpointed uh, Yale yes. Burton as the okay. guy who had we hired the fake. Mrs. Mulray, right? Uh-huh. And you asked me how that happened. How it happened. And I said, process of elimination. Right. And I said... Can you write down that I don't think process of elimination is a very cinematic choice, especially for the best screenplay of all time? And I think it's... I still stand behind that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to take this movie down. <laughs> But I think it, it's just like, okay, he knows, the, like, who else would have done it, right? It's It's got to be the water guys, right? Well, here's what happened last time we did this. Is <laughs> <laughs> I said that and Mark said, well, he deduced it. Which I think is just right. funny that both of the men in the room thought that. We and just I, assume Jake knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, he's totally. a white he's guy. He's a man. He's yeah. the lead in the movie. Right. And he's I was Jack like, Nicholson. he's got it all figured out. He doesn't just get to guess <laughs> correctly the first time. You know, and, like I, and I had the same experience watching it that you did, where I like I had the thought, like, how did he figure? And then I was like, well, I guess he went and did something, like, yeah. and they just didn't show it. I show it. It's not talk the, to somebody. It's not the gas department. <laughs> you know, it's not the cable company. <laughs> you know? oh. <laughs> it's not your internet provider it's the water department okay right? uh town i guess did have an extensive voiceover for Gettys uh that polanski decided to cut oh. so i think that the voiceover explained a lot more of what was going on and what clues he had learned when and, gotcha. and whatever uh i i I will say it's both a more frustrating movie and a better movie as a result. Okay. Yeah, I think much stronger without. Yeah, you don't get to be best screenplay ever when you have a voiceover. (laughs) Uh, do you remember the earlier version of Blade Runner that was out for years? That's what I was just thinking of. Yeah, which was terrible. Yeah. Yeah, the original version of Blade Runner that played in the theaters and was on home video for another five, six, seven years or longer after that had uh, Harrison Ford explaining everything that was going on. He was speaking street talk, a mixture of Chinese, German, Spanish, what have you. This I is why we do this podcast. All good cops did. We do this podcast just so I can do my Harrison Ford. But like both, you know, like both of those voiceover at- attempts are 
like trying to harken back to a noir noir film yes, style. Right, right. So it's an homage, you right? Know, so it's, but it's funny how but like it's also they, a crutch, right? But it's funny how like it might work in a nineteen you know right. forty Humphrey we're, Bogart we're more forgiving, movie, perhaps of than of yeah. the classic ones. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giddy's thing goes to meet uh, uh, Faye Dunaway's father, Noah Cross, who uh, was the partner of Mister Mulray. Uh, goes to meet him in Catalina, though, or at least that was shot in Catalina. I, I don't think it's actually supposed to be Catalina, uh, but that's the famous, uh, casino at Avalon, um, that you see in the, the background. Of course. I didn't know. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and, and John Houston is just a great movie villain because he's yeah. so, evil and he's so gross he's so gross you know when he smiles his proportions are all wonky yeah yes. <laughs> yeah yeah right. uh and so he has that scene with nicholson where he's like oh, are you sleeping with my daughter mr gitz uh, he keeps calling him by the wrong name too which is which a is great fun. alpha male yeah. thing to do uh and of course this is the time where jack nicholson was first started dating angelica houston so that had a double oh, weird. meaning mm-hmm. where, and I think their relationship was even under wraps to the point where, uh, so that it he wasn't could date a- other women. <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, but I think that was not unintentional to cast, uh, Nicholson's girlfriend's father, uh, mm. as the, the guy confronting him in the well, movie. Not to mention the guy who directed what some people consider the first film noir ever made. Maltese you know, Falcon. Maltese Falcon. Oh. And so you've got this, you know, whatever, which it's amazing to realize. I was thinking Maltese Falcon came out in 1941. Chinatown came out in 74. That's only 33 years mm-hmm. for that whole sort of cycle of films where I think you can say Chinatown is kind of the last classic noir and mm. Maltese Falcon was the first. Yeah. Bookends. That's really cool. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Uh, Giddis goes to the Hall of Records, and so he's looking into uh, land deals and stuff involving the, the water. Uh, there's a clerk who's really exasperated with him, uh, and uh, he sends him to you know aisle three, shelf two, or whatever. And Carla said, that's how I feel every time I go into Target. <laughs> <laughs> And then the other classic thing, the old cough as you rip something out. So and the roller trick. Like that was the old roller trick. For this clean line. Nice. You think that clerk would have heard of the ruler trick before. And that's like (laughs) Or even borrow it from the clerk. (laughs) (laughs) And so the new landowners of all of the valley are apparently uh old folks who live in this old uh, old folks home, many of whom have died recently. I thought that was really cool. I thought that was interesting. And made sense. <laughs> uh, but then, we, and then the Albacore Club is some sort of fancy yacht club owned by Noah Cross, right? Right. And there's that, where the, then you realize earlier the, the Applecore thing. Yes. Is Albacore, you know. His oh. operative and misheard, uh, Al- Albacore. And there's a lot Applecore. of that, right? The glass mm. and grass. Right. Um, and like when you get oh, yeah. back into like, let's unpack why people love this screenplay. Like, I mean, yeah. Uh, I'll give him that. <laughs> some really great just wordplay mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, that sense of identity and, um, miscommunication. And one of the seniors says, uh, oh, my grandson is a member of the Albacore Club. So like, it's unclear to me of like, are these rich people who are stashing their elderly relatives at this home or of like, are these people who are signing away their, 
their assets. You're to, right. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> to the home itself, which is also owned by Noah Cross in mm. some way. I think it's just meant to explain how Noah Cross like came across them, like how he would have access to those names. Right. No. Yeah, but it's also true. You don't want to just think about it too much because <laughs> some of them have died recently, and right. that's going to trigger a legal process. And how does this? Mm. How does this property still staying in these people's yes. names? I mean, it really does. It doesn't. I think completely hold up, mm-hmm. but it doesn't have to, in my opinion. I agree. Yeah, like you, it's it's fun to as the clues unravel. Uh, if you start to think too much about any of them, uh, it, it's going to unravel even and, more. And you know, if you think yeah. about the fact that this movie, as we've said, is all told from his point of view right Mm -hmm. maybe he's completely wrong about the whole thing (laughs) right right. yeah (laughs) yeah these guys are just trying to make water to los angeles water some citrus (laughs) (laughs) hey dunaway is you know bipolar (laughs) uh it goes through the activities board at the seniors home too and carla said lawn bowling that's got to be challenging (laughs) (laughs) i've never lawn bowled lawn bowling is it's it's like uh it's it's like bowling but it's or is it like bocce is it the same thing bocce okay i think that makes sense that makes more sense yeah Yeah. glad we cleared that i I love bocce you guys (laughs) lawn bowlers please tweet at us (laughs) let us know where's your game played how is it played how often do you play uh at one point uh faye dunaway asks uh Jack Nelson a question about his past, and she says it's a simple question. Uh, and then Carla said before he answered, Chinatown. <laughs> and then he says, Chinatown. <laughs> and then Carla said, high five. <laughs> and I high five myself. <laughs> yeah. Because I was not going to return that high no. five. Uh, so for a movie that does not take place in Chinatown, they sure say Chinatown a lot. Right. They do want to keep you reminding of it. Uh, Carla said, what is it in movies where women cleaning men's wounds is supposed to be sexual? (laughs) It's really true. Like, how helpless is he? (laughs) So weird. He can't clean his own. It's right there. It's right in the center of his face. (laughs) It's got to be an easier way to flirt with someone. (laughs) But it is like there is that kind of intimacy of like unwrapping Jack Nicholson. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. (laughs) Uh, then it cuts to them in bed together, and Carla said, what did they do? Did they go for a run? <laughs> <laughs> Horseback riding. Yeah. Uh, and then there's the the famous, uh, she's my sister, she's my daughter, she's my sister, she's my daughter, she's my sister, and my daughter, while he's slapping her uh, like, come each on. time. Carla, <laughs> Carla said, what are you doing? That's never okay. It's not. Ugh. Yeah, let's no, talk about that. Oh. It's a definitely a vestige of of nasty chauvinistic storytelling tropes yeah i'd like to turn now to our 12 year old daughter (laughs) and now i guess the parents from eliza who you remember from a couple weeks ago (laughs) what did you think of that scene it was revolting yeah agreed (laughs) unnecessary yeah Yeah, it's pretty much summarized it was just like both hitting someone when you should not be hitting someone and just a terrible concept and how like you know he got everything wrong and he was getting angry at her for this thing that she did not willingly take part in that was awful and should not have happened in the first place mm-hmm. agreed the smartest person in the room right there yeah <laughs> yeah it's like uh 
in order it feels it feels like a trick like in order for her for her to finally tell the truth he has to beat it out of her yeah and just ugh. apparently they did a Bad bunch of takes where the the fake slaps looked unconvincing and Faye Dunaway asked Jack Nicholson to really slap her ugh. uh I think we've learned in watching a lot of old <laughs> movies for this podcast uh, that there are a lot of – like dating back to the 30s and 40s, a lot of scenes of men slapping women that's either supposed to be dramatic or f- even funny sometimes. You know, it, it, it is an old trope that's hopefully has gone the way of the dinosaur. When, I think it was, when he goes to Burt Young's house and Burt Young's wife has the black eye, yeah. right? Yeah. And we know it's because oh, she he cheated on yeah. yeah. Like, and yeah. it's just, it's almost meant it's to have like a, a humor beat. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. supposed to sort of, yeah, not chuckle at it, but sort of chuckle in recognition, I guess. Mm-hmm. Of, of like, oh, yeah. I got that. Uh-huh. I yeah. see. I see what happened there. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's weird and disturbing. I'm glad that we can have this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> I love you. I mean, guys. you know, I mean, it's supposed to be disturbing at the right. same time. It's I don't, you know, I don't yeah. think we're supposed to in this case, you know, enjoy that he's slapping her. Right. I think we're supposed to recoil and be revolted by his actions as well as her revelation. Mm-hmm. So it's you know, yeah, to be somewhat fair. It's true, and it's but interesting. It still makes it difficult to watch because mm-hmm. it puts you in this space of being like oh god like i don't know what to do with that yeah. as you're getting this information of, right you know that is like plot wise you know this is revelatory and horrifying mm-hmm. and so it creates yeah like a real emotional state yeah. yeah i think okay i just think overall i just have a, a problem with movies where the women uh all of their plot points have to do with like the men changing them you know and this movie definitely feels that way like she doesn't have any control over anything that she does in this whole movie um it's all dictated by choices that he makes or her father makes or the guy who shoots her at the end like it's just very upsetting yeah the end (laughs) but do you think like how self-aware do you think it is of that that it's that it is, since it is this, it's a revisionist film noir, right? Mm-hmm. And it is, I think, part of the purpose of the movie was to peel back a lot of the stuff that's in a lot of these older movies and kind of show the truly rotten core that was, that was there and that was alluded to in Philip Marlowe, you know, and all that stuff. You know, I mean, I, that's what I try to wrestle yeah. with or, or sort of try to see both sides of, I guess. Like, I think they are, they're trying, it's, you know, they're trying to show you, like, how evil these men really are and how Mm -hmm. much uh uh, she is uh destroyed by their actions but i agree she comes off as just being just the victim and Mm -hmm. and has no sort of active role in her own fate in the end though it feels like we're supposed to sympathize ultimately with him right it's all from his perspective right as we know as we've talked about so yeah and uh, yeah i don't disagree with that it's just i think it lessens my enjoyment or appreciation for the film even though it might be purposeful right um so this whole scene was a real bummer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh there is another great scene with Noah Cross toward the end too when he asks him how much he's worth and uh he's like he's like oh I don't you know and it's like over 10 million he's like oh my yes. <laughs> <laughs> that was a great line reading. <laughs> this is in 1930s dollars as well. So yeah, this guy is is rich, but I think the that sort of villain of the the guy who's behind the scenes that the public doesn't know who has his fingers in every bit of business and then the cops are corrupt and he owns the police as, as well you know uh that that's a theme that still has resonance in this day and age mm-hmm. you know 
And look, I wonder how much of the movie is like about that sense of like none of us having agency, right? Mm-hmm. And, the, and like everything is beyond our control, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. That there's this larger system at work that you can't touch and you can't right. see. And if you do try to see it, you're not going to like what you see and <laughs> something bad is going to happen. Yeah. Um, because, you know, even, you know, even he has no agency. And, and like, I think that that, like, frankly, in that moment where he, where he takes action and wants to like help them get out. Mm-hmm. Like to me, it feels more about that, like trying to like, like take an a- action to, to change the destinies that are playing out. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, then it does like a romantic kind of like gift to her or like a protective thing. But, uh, but of course, like it's destiny, right? It mm-hmm. all just plays out. Yeah, and that's his big mistake is trying to help. <clears throat> yeah. Well, trying, you're trying to, yeah, to, to have agency to take, to, mm to take an action that isn't part of some larger scheme. Right. And if only there were a single word or a neighborhood, even that could sum up, <laughs> that, could sum up that feeling. <laughs> when we finally did go to the titular neighborhood, Silver Lake. Echo Park, <laughs> Echo Park, <laughs> Atwater village. Um, I'll have to look up what it is. Costa but- Mesa. <laughs> Carla said, "Uh oh, Chinatown, <laughs> Chinatown." <laughs> I like it much more as the punchline. Yeah. Better. Uh, but then the, those those final events are just so horrific. You know that that Nicholson's got his guy. He's got the uh, the you know detective there. He says, "This is the guy. He murdered him." <sighs> you know. Uh, it, Houston is there kind of laughing at the whole prospect of it, you know, kind of playing sweet. Faye Dunaway tries to get away with her daughter slash sister. Uh, the cops shoot at her. It's, uh, a, a shot at a distance and, we, and the car stops and we just hear this car horn. Uh, it's really well handled and something that i noticed this time tragic moment there's a moment earlier when she's in the car with him and she's so upset and she puts her head on the on the steering wheel mm. and the horn goes off yeah. but it's like very brief inadvertently yeah, oh, yeah. do you yeah. think these th- i mean and, and that's like like from like a visual narrative point of view right that that's so that we connect it later and we hear those sound and we know it's because her head is hit yeah. The horn, yeah right yeah i think so yeah, yeah i think that's completely intentional mm. yeah and again you know Kudos to Mr. Robert Town. Yeah. Maybe it is the greatest screenplay ever. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, Eliza, what did you think of the end? Yeah. Because it, you, it was the first time you had seen the movie, and it was intense. Yeah, it really was. Um, I mean, when, when like, she was shot, like, that was scary and disturbing. But, like, just the part for me that was, like, really, really, really awful was, like, seeing... Um, like Noah Cross take the sister slash daughter mm-hmm. into his arms and like take his hand to like cover up her eyes and like that was just really symbolic and it was just you could see how that would end you know mm-hmm. like uh like with uh, her sister slash mother um like her life was sort of out of her control at that point because you know like um. She had, people had tried so hard to protect her, and then just this one action kind of just derailed all of that. Hmm. Yeah. It's like when John Houston like grapples her and like, yeah, pull, like it's, it's so upsetting. just like serpentine. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It's incredibly horrifying. It's yeah. so, like, it's so well done, right? Mm-hmm. 
And it, it looks like an old man comforting a young woman, but we know the truth of, of what it actually see, is. There's, and there's yeah. something on his face, too, in that mm-hmm. moment that was just, he's got a, the little curl of a grin, you know, in the corner of his mouth. Yeah. yeah it's, Nasty stuff. You see it in slow motion almost. It's just. <laughs> and then that last line, forget it, Jake, it's Chinatown. Carla actually laughed. <laughs> At the line, Sorry. you know, uh, maybe just to break the tension of the awfulness of, yeah. of the moment, but also like it's such a iconic line, and yeah. you know, uh, but <sighs> it, it, it's such a, a weird little twist to to put on the end. Um, so, what what is the meaning of that line to you, Carla? I don't know. <laughs> you guys go. <laughs> Do you have any thoughts on that, Eliza? I don't know. It to me, it, I was kind of like, "Wait, what?" Because this <laughs> terrible thing had happened, and Jake had worked so hard to do this thing, and then like at the end, the guy was just like, "Forget it." Like it's just, it's just Chinatown. Like this never really happened. It felt like he was just sort of just like, "Ah, like whatever," and when it actually kind of meant the world to Jake. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I remember the first time I saw the movie, like that having the same like reaction to that line, which was just like, "What the hell? Wait, no, what?" <laughs> yeah, it's there's things that we don't want to know, you know, the, these things that are going on behind us that we are are powerless to stop, and I mean, it's it's depressing thought, uh, and the, the, there are things that are that are best not investigated further. What do you think? I mean, I think it's even, it's, it's just existentialist. I mean, it, you know, not to get really philosophical, but it instead, it's not even, it's not even about the, the hidden forces at work in our society. It's just about this is just existence and there's just some things that there's nothing you can do about. And, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, there's nothing you can do about death. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, maybe that's too deep to read, but I think it, it's, it's, that's, it's, it's this existentialist moment where, and then in a sense, that's why it is almost a relief to Jake, probably, right? Like, well, there's nothing I could have done anyway. Right. Know. And it's, and it's over. Like the bad thing has happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like, remember, this is obviously like in the wake of Sharon Tate's murder and, you know, Robert Polanski, like right. the beautiful blonde dies at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And we, yeah, we didn't even really, we didn't really get all get into Mr. Polanski and his particular relationship to this movie and this, and this story and his, uh, history which is probably for the best because we'd be here for another hour but that's i think that's a great point yeah carla you want to give us a letter grade b b what does that b stand for uh boy it was a tough one to watch (laughs) (laughs) boy as eliza would say (laughs) b-o-i how about for you chelsea um I'm gonna I'm gonna give it an an A minus with a women's studies uh half hour documentary at the end. <laughs> <laughs> to provide counterpoint, yeah. yes. Great. Uh Mark, can I give it an N for nihilist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. N plus. You have N whatever plus. your own rating system is, man. You do you. <laughs> I would I would give it an A minus too if I were really using that that scale. Yeah. Eliza. I think it's a great movie. I just wanna kind of complete the scale like a B plus. B, B plus, A okay. minus, cool. works out. 
It's staying on Craigslist. It's staying about where it is. I like it. I like it where it is on the uh, list. Can I ask a quick question that I should have asked earlier on? But Mark, do you have? A, I didn't even wait to hear your response. I just went and asked it. Uh, do you have a, a list of your rankings? Of I don't films? have anything close to like a yeah yeah okay. um, anything close to a, a top hundred movies. It's a fascinating project, and I, it's made me think about uh, maybe right. pursuing something like that mm-hmm. because at least you know I get asked. Yeah. Too often. So, what's your favorite movie? Right. And that, of course, is frankly kind of tedious to try and answer. But yeah. it, to have a to have a, a hundred to choose from um, would be fun. You've done the top <laughs> ten lists like every year for like ten, the last top ten of the years. Year. Okay. Yeah. For the yeah. paper. So great. It's there. Yeah. Which is hard because. I mean, and some of them you just saw a couple days ago, you know, particularly right. if it's, you know, if, if it's award season or whatever, you know, yeah. uh, and, you know, probably you'd seen most of them once, maybe twice. It, it, I don't know if you rewatch a movie within the same year necessarily. Not generally, no. Yeah. And yeah, it is, you know, it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, and I, you know, I don't, I have some reservations about the whole ranking. Yeah process to begin with that i think a lot of people share so and most of mine like the number one number two are usually some weird obscure four-hour french documentary that played at the <laughs> art museum or something so and, and, it, and it's a way and of people know that this thing is out there if, if they saw that somebody ranked it number that's, one then they'll, they'll that's go where see i it. see that as a tool if i can do a top 10 list i'm not gonna put uh you know the Thor movie on there. Mm. <laughs> yes, like, you are. Yes, you are. But I would put it at like eight, just to, just to show that I can appreciate popular culture. Right. <laughs> Carla, you would actually like Ragnarok because it's Taika Waititi, and you've liked. Uh, what are all the things you just said? <laughs> it's so I said, good. I said Ragnarok and Taika Waititi. Okay. What's, what's weird about that? <laughs> What we do in the shadows and uh, hunt for the wilder people. Oh yeah, you love, love both of those movies. movies. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, cool. Well, let's uh, let's improvise a little scene <laughs> to uh, to wind things down. Um, so uh, these are just some of the people. Uh, these are some of the the, the folks at the uh, the old folks' home. <laughs> let's say that they're on the lawn bowling court. Is Eliza <laughs> saying goodbye? <laughs> or is she saying, "Oh, I want to be in on this"? I think she oh, said me, she wants to me. be in on it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So these are these are all the old folks uh, at at the home uh, just doing some lawn bowling and uh, maybe discussing their their recent land deals. I think I'll watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you feel like chiming in. Well, it's uh, it's it's your turn, uh, Dorothy. Oh, thank you. Good strike there. Watch your hip. Oh, <laughs> I'm a uh, I've been working real hard at getting a strike, just like you, Laughlin. Well, I'm. I'm- <laughs> Pretty good at lawn bowling. Uh, there's those pins over there, and uh, it's kind of like bocce, we think. Take your turn. I'm waiting. It's exactly like bocce. <laughs> I know bocce. <laughs> you always say you know bocce, Clyde. You. <laughs> All right, Shirley, your turn. Your turn. Let me hike up my britches. You say it's just like bocce, right? <laughs> well, or croquet. I forget which. <laughs> All right. Uh, hey, I have a question. Anybody else's uh, bank account explode this week? <laughs> I, I have uh, $10 million in mine. I'm not, I'm not sure where that came from. <laughs> I'm all invested in Bitcoin. Oh, <laughs> I like the cream corn. <laughs> oh, so no difference in your bank account. <laughs> Just, uh, 
Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you said, did you like the cream corn? Oh, oh. oh it is quite good here. Yeah. Yes. I don't know yes. what kind of cream they use, but it's wonderful. Okay, folks. Come on. Let's go to ironing class. Oh, ironing class. Ironing class. I ironing class. I'll I, get the sheets. <laughs> I can't wait to, to, great way to learn how to iron. Yes. I'm going to iron all these pieces of flag. I can't stand up. I'll bring the cream corn. <laughs> Hey, uh, excuse me, do you mind if I uh, talk to you guys? Well, what's wrong with your nose? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was. G- Shirley, stop <laughs> trying to clean his wound. <laughs> Shirley, get back here. Stay away from my wound, lady. <laughs> In response to your question about my nose, your wife uncrossed her legs. <laughs> Oh my! I don't my, get it. <laughs> I don't. My get wife it. Has, has been dead for many years, sir. I take that as an offense. Looks like a terrible ironing accident. <laughs> See, <laughs> yes, that was great. Oh, so fun, so fun. Look at you guys. You guys are all improvisers. Natural. I knew it. Really good nurse. I, I knew it. Written that all down. <laughs> he was hoping that you would be able to work the yeah. wow. He's got like thirty scenarios. I just like have a few index down. cards <laughs> ready to go. Uh, so, guys, what do, what do you want to promote? What's what's going on? Uh, anything coming out soon, Mark? Where where can people read your film writing online? Well, I do a weekly column for OregonLive.com, which is the uh, online version of the Oregonian, Portland, Oregon's oldest daily newspaper (laughs) (laughs) and you can find that at oregonlive.com slash movies i think awesome awesome chelsea how about you um i have a couple different things going on there there's a tv show based on one of my books uh uh called the tv show is called gone um but the book is called one kick um about a character named kick lanigan and that that will be out uh, at some point soon. That's exciting. That's really season, exciting. So. Uh, Eliza, though, has something to say about her <laughs> upcoming semester. <laughs> I would just like to promote Doctor Who. Yay! <laughs> Watch Doctor Who! <laughs> Me it's too! A, it's a small, obscure British show that we're, we're Check really it out. To. Check it out. It's like Mark promoting his four-hour uh, If I haven't seen Doctor Who before now, can I, it's pretty easy to catch up. You can right? just jump right <laughs> in. Oh, yeah. Jump right sure. in. Oh, yeah. Totally. It's no. not an ornate mythology or anything. <laughs> uh, Carla, what's going on with you? This is. I don't uh, know. <laughs> we just did the uh, San Francisco Sketch Fest. So we'll we, be in Seattle. Oh, yeah. We're, we're going to be in Seattle. The weekend of February 15th. Doing some improv over Valentine's Day. Yeah. Orange Sexy was going to be up at the Seattle Improv Fest. Yep. Yeah, really looking forward to that because that'll also be an opportunity for me to visit you in Portland and we'll yep. drive up to uh, Seattle together. Well, Carla, I think our run of film noir is done. Yes. <laughs> uh, and next week we're moving on to number 37 on Craig's list. And I think you'll be excited about this for a couple of reasons. You love Shakespeare. I do. And you love Kenneth Brown. I do. <laughs> but you have not seen this particular movie. I haven't. Which I would know be which Mr. Brenna's directorial debut. Also, he starred in it and it was written by Bill Shakespeare. Uh, Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds a lot like Murder on the Orient Express. This came out in 1989 and it's called Henry V. I can't wait. And I'm it excited doesn't matter whether one. you've seen the first four Henrys or not. <laughs> you can jump right in Dance on alone. Henry V. And get what's going on. Great. I can't wait. So once more into the breach, dear friends, we will go into Craigslist. 
Over a muse of fire. Okay. Exit the army. Yes! (laughs) The list is an absolute good. The list is life.